Welcome to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. The SoGrow Marketing Council is a membership organization comprised of growing marketers who want to stay ahead of developments in multiple areas of marketing. This podcast features recordings of SoGrow Marketing Council meetings. Tune in to hear expert marketers share tips and discuss the latest strategies and tools in marketing. To join the next meeting and be part of the discussion yourself, visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab. Let's get growing. Welcome, Thank you for listening to the SoGrow Marketing, Marketing Council Marketing podcast Council meeting. I'm Want so to be part of our next meeting? Here. Visit so SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab to sign up for our next event. Until next time, keep growing. membership organization for marketers. And there are two main reasons that we get together. The first is that we share information from our particular marketing disciplines. So we all come from different areas of marketing, but yet there's a lot of overlap. And so by being able to share what's going on in our particular discipline of marketing, we're able to keep up to speed on multiple different areas of marketing and not have to do all that research ourselves. So today we'll have people share a four-minute tip. People have submitted tips and our featured experts share tips every week. So they'll share a four-minute educational informational tip. And then we'll have one minute for questions after that. And the second reason that we get together is to network. So this is a great opportunity for you guys to refer business to each other. The, The main reason that we started this was so that I would have people that I would be able to say, I know someone who's a great sales expert that you can pull in or I know a great web design company and be able to know the people that I'm recommending. So I really encourage you guys to share business, get together outside of this, meet each other, learn about each other's businesses. And then we can also help each other in terms of maybe you need to hire somebody or maybe you need a vendor. Um, Maybe you just need help in a particular area or maybe you guys even wanna get together and partner and offer services together to mutual clients, things like that. So definitely do that. And then um, in a minute, we will have everyone share their tips who has submitted. So I'm going to go ahead and put the names in the chat. If there's somebody who hasn't logged on yet and their name comes up, we'll just skip them. And then there are some people I wasn't sure if you guys wanted to share a tip or not. So if your name's in there and you don't want to present, that's fine. You can just introduce yourself and your company. Um, But that is a big thing. When you share your tip, make sure you say your name and your company And then you can share your area of expertise as well so we can get to know you. Um, That's especially important for the people on the podcast. You won't get to see your face and your names. And then if you want to submit a tip and share at a future event, you can go to SoGrowPR.com backslash submit. So that's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com backslash submit. And there's a form on there that will tell you the guidelines for the tip and how to submit a tip. And then we pick those and let you know, and then you can present at the next meeting. So this is a membership organization. If you guys want to sign up and become a member, you can go to SoGrowPR.com and there's a backslash membership and you can set up a profile and you can access the full videos there. So you can even take your clip from your tip that you share and you can use that for your marketing. You can post it on social media. Um, And then we also have a forum so you can comment on the forum. And um, there's also a speaker opportunity database So a lot of the speaking engagements are just conferences and different things in different industries. 
And we have links to um, the forms that you submit and deadlines and, and all of those things like that. So check that out as well. And then um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We have lots of great episodes. I, I don't remember how many episodes we have, Sarah. What are we up to now? We've been doing it for a while. I think we're um, at... Probably... Like 15 or more. I mean, it's, yeah, I want to say we're getting close to 20. So there's yeah. a, lot of, a lot of good content there. Um, and then we also have featured experts that we select. And those are people that have just come to meetings. They've given great tips. And so today we've got several of our featured experts. Um, Kimberly is our featured expert in crisis communication. And Scott is our featured expert for sales. And Sarah is our social media featured expert. And um, Yana Tori is our email marketing expert. And then Kristen's representing ID8, and they are our graphic design firm as well. Um, so if you want to apply to be a feature expert, you can go to the Sogro Marketing Council website and, and submit that form as well. So we will get started. And um, what I love to do is just to take a quick picture of everybody smiling, because we love to just remember who is here. And we also promote on social media. But I don't want to just snap pictures and have you guys not be prepared. So I will count to three, and you guys can smile with your beautiful faces, and we'll do it twice that way, because I'm usually the one that closes my eyes. But um, all right, so one, two, three, ready? Okay, we'll do one more. And I think I forgot to do this last time. So I'm glad I remember today. Okay, one, two, three, ready? Awesome. Sounds great. So I appreciate it. Okay. So um, the first person we have on our list is Scott. Scott, do you want to kick us off and share a tip today? And then we'll go to Yana Tori. Good morning, everyone. My name is Scott Siegel. I'm a founding member of Momentum CPG and my area of expertise is sales but also helping brands navigate the challenging world of retail. And my, whoops, sorry, there was some noise over there. So my tip for the day, it is not about selling. I want you to change your mind. It is about building long-term relationships. I'm gonna give you five tips and three acronyms to remember. Tip number one, ask questions. Even if you ask someone, where are you from? I'm from New York. I, can, I can't tell you how many native New Yorkers there are here in Atlanta. Always make sure it is about them. Tip number three, if you ask the right questions, you make them feel special. People like to tell you what they're doing. Tip number four, be present. Be present about your body language. Watch their body language. And tip number five, follow up. 80% of people do not follow up after they meet someone. Three acronyms I want you to walk away with. The five Ps. Poor planning precedes poor performance. Stephanie just mentioned, make sure you're prepared. No matter where you're going, make sure you understand who's going to be there. Look them up on LinkedIn to make sure you know maybe they went to the same college you did. Tip number two, the word wait. What it really stands for in building long-term relationships is why am I talking? Listen, ask great questions. And tip number four, be clear, concise, and compelling, and you get to clarity. So if you follow those five tips, in those three acronyms, you're going to build long-term relationships. Scott Siegel, Momentum CPJ. 
That's great. Good thoughts, Scott. So does anybody have any questions or comments for Scott? We've got a minute for questions and comments. I think the, what's that feedback? Is that, that little, it's like a pop, pop. Yeah, I'm, I heard it as well. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, Scott, it was interesting you mentioned, and I mean, I saw this article the other day about like people have forgotten how to small talk, especially yeah. after the pandemic. And it was actually an article about how important small talk is. And, you know, I think with businesses, but if you're out of practice with it, there's a lot of good books. There was one book and I was like, oh, I should, I should order that because it's always nice to be able to pick up a conversation and connect with people and make them feel comfortable and all that type of stuff. And when you're out of practice and, you know, it's just an important skill. Yeah, no, I agree. If you just simply ask where you're from, mm -hmm. um, what I find 90% of the time, I'll either have been there, know someone from there or have lived there. It's a great way to start a conversation. Yeah. That's great. Thank you, Scott. And you guys feel free to put your names and your company website in the chat. That way, if somebody wants to follow up with you guys later, they can find you guys there as well. So thank you, Scott. Yana Tori, would you like to share a tip today? Of course. Um, today, I was I wanted to talk about how to calculate um, ROI of email marketing. One, um, only influencers had done a survey a couple of months ago, and they had asked people, you know, how do you guys calculate ROI of email inside the company? And the answers apparently that came in were like, what it was completely different nobody had something streamlined some people who don't know what what roi um so it's very important to understand uh so minus the deliverability part well forget about getting those emails in the inbox when it comes to the return on investment some of the things that we tend to forget is um how the volume that we have is going to be the biggest factor affecting the percentage of course um if we're sending millions and millions of emails to people who don't really care the ROI is going to be very very small uh, not only is that going to help um, the spam filters not like you uh, very quickly, it's also going to affect um, the way you're going to make decisions in the business. Email is already something that everybody thinks is dying. There's a wonderful website to 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 um, to see, uh, created by Jordi Van Ryn. It's called emailisnotdead.com. And it has all the statistics you need there. There's even an ROI calculator in there that helps you. And the most important part to understand is that it's not only the volume. It's also everything that goes into it. So if you have the agency, the content writing and all of that, it's amazing. But if you don't know what return you're getting from the emails, because you're not tracking it, you're not looking at the flow, it's going to be very difficult to realize on the long term that the reason people did come back or the reason people did purchase is email. When it comes to Google Analytics, when it comes to websites, Shopify, all of that, it's very, very clear and simple. When it comes to email, it's a little bit more difficult because it's a long-term relationship. In most cases, we're emailing value, value, value over time, and we're trying to push them towards an event or towards a product and things like that. So when it comes to the ROI, we need to think about everything. But the most important part, other than volume, is tracking it correctly. And it's sitting down. How many hours are you putting into it? And that might help you decide... Um, what to do next month. You know, if you spent 50 hours creating this beautiful campaign that had this video in it and it didn't convert and the regular, you know, come to my webinar email was enough, 
that energy can be put somewhere else, like list cleaning, segmentation, uh, targeting, uh, better content, or more events, maybe. Uh, it's extremely important to understand how um, email is impacting our business, if it is actually helping or not, uh, because sometimes we might realize that for a period of time it was working and now it's not, which can suggest that we're having some technical issues. Um, it's not only about the money. I mean, no one's going to give you any money if they don't get the email. So if we start with best practices at the beginning and we understand what we're doing and why we're doing it and what's going to return, it's going to create a lot of good things. We're going to have good goals for emails. We're not going to be sending emails just to remind people we exist. We're going to have goals. We're going to stick to those goals and give valuable content to people, which is going to make them trust us and look for our emails a lot more often. Uh, they're going to interact with them. So the ISPs, the inbox service providers are going to love our emails and they're going to see the engagement because we know that the engagement that we see in MailChimp or whatnot is not the same as what actually happens in the mailbox, in the, the Gmail or the Hotmail you know, inbox. And of course, it will allow us to maybe focus or prove that email is a great way to communicate with your customers or not. <laughs> it's not for everyone. If you're a lawyer, you can't really be emailing, you know, two for one coupons for divorces, you know? So um, not for all businesses, but definitely products, SaaS, things like that. It is definitely important. And the bigger we grow, the harder it's going to become because, you know, we're doing all these points everywhere, you know, reminding we exist on Instagram and Facebook ads and groups and this. Let's track email as well correctly. That's it. <laughs> That's great. Thank you, Andrea. I think that's something so important for marketers because I think we look at email and say, oh, if it didn't work, it's the content, it's the messaging. And you made a really good point about it could be the technology. Your content could be amazing and it could just be some sort of technical issue that you may have to resolve. So that was a really, really great point as well. So any thoughts or questions for Yana Tori? You know, you you spotlighted a lawyer uh, might not be a good candidate, but we, you know we find that professional services emails uh, can be really important because uh, take a law firm, you might know that law firm for one specialty, but they've got this whole menu of services that their clients don't know that they do, and so we find with with the financial services and lawyers that that's important is just to remind people. You know, you know us from mergers and acquisitions, but we you know we also do employment law. Or something like that, because the the great thing about email, right, is that you're getting repeat business and referral business, and that's what that's what makes it so valuable. So, um, I don't know that there's a business that's not good for email, but there are some that are better than others. <laughs> I know sure. that's what I say too, but I can't, you know, um, I might be the wrong person to say email's great. Email, come on, guys, yeah, all right. the no Instagram and social media and Google Ads, um. Right. It's just sometimes is the the idea behind it, right? It's like the more we send, the more money we're gonna make. No, the more chances of making money. But at some point, the spam filters retaliate. If a lawyer sent, yeah. you know, I got divorced, and the lawyer starts sending me emails every day, like, okay, I'm I'm good, thanks, it's thanks right, for the right. reminder. <laughs> we have to think yeah. of logic, you know, value first. <laughs> yeah, and and that's a good point though. Uh, you got to worry about segmenting. Right. So the person you just yeah. finished a transaction with, let's put them in the list that they only get one or two emails a year from us. Same thing with the real estate. Right. If you just bought a house, you don't need to keep getting. Thank you. Finding somebody else sold for more money in your neighborhood. Uh, but, you know, so let's just talk to them twice a year because they also meet five people a year that want to sell their house or whatever the statistic is. Exactly. We, we forget that we don't like what we like. I mean, who like raise your hand if you love waking up in the morning and like, oh, yeah, it's time to go look at my inbox today. No one. 
And then we put our business hat on and we're like, Ooh, I have an idea. Let's send more emails. You know, <laughs> it's, it's hard. And I, and I know on the business side, you know, you'd like to buy lists and email the whole world and, you know, get customers, but sometimes safe is better. Yep. That's right. Awesome. Thank you so much, John Tori. Great tip. And um, Kimberly, do you want to introduce yourself? And I don't know if you have a tip today or not, but you're welcome to share if you would like to. Hi, everyone. I'm Kimberly Petty with Cindy Miller Communications. We're a strategic communications company. Um, we help organizations convey complex ideas to the right people. And part of that is with crisis communications. And I do have a tip. So um, I found a really great article on PR News that I'll put in the chat. Um, but it is just discussing the crisis PR tenants that are kind of like the old school ones. And then this person wrote this article um, kind of talking about each of those. And I thought they were really good to go through. So um, one of them was a good crisis response can erase a negative reputation. And his uh, belief is that that's incorrect because, you know, there is no discard after date for lots of uh, crises. However, my two cents on that is you always need a crisis communications plan and strategy because during that process is where you identify potential pitfalls and you can prepare internal communications to prevent those um, situations from occurring. So that's why that crisis strategy, having that in place is so um, key to keeping those um, issues from arising and also putting in place the, the, the um, letting employees know internally how to react to any situation. Um, another tenant he talked about was um, frequent media statements are a must during a PR crisis. And his response was saying less is more. And that is exactly one of the things that um, we talk about at CMC is so many people talk too much. <laughs> and instead of, to me, the number one um, thing you should think about in a crisis is listening. So, so many companies don't listen um, in order to convey the, the real meaning that they want to convey to their different audiences. And a lot of companies um, miss during that crisis strategy portion about uh, media training so that you can understand how to respond. And, in, and part of that media training is less is more. Um, another tenant was always respond to a negative story and with the way that things have changed with our 24-7 news cycle, yes, you want to have some sorts of response, response ready to go, but so much can just happen and peter, some things can peter away. Um, so you want, some things are short-lived, so you need to think about that before rushing to say something it could die out on its own. Um, of course, that um, goes without saying that if there was a situation where someone was hurt or anything like that, you, of course, you want to immediately respond. Um, another old tenant was releasing bad news on a weekend or a holiday. Doesn't work anymore. 24-7 <laughs> news cycle and social media everywhere. Um, and I agree with that. So, um, and another tenant he talked about was responding immediately during a PR crisis. Um, one thing that we always talk about is having a holding statement ready. And in that holding statement, I've talked about that before, you express your concern for any people involved. 
and talk about how you're gathering more information because that's always the number one thing is you need to figure out what's going on first um, and that you're working, you know, maybe you're working with public officials first to gather information in order to get a good resolution. Um, and then during a PR crisis, a top executive should be the spokesperson. While that might may be true, you shouldn't be tied to always having a top exit, the CEO as, a, as the spokesperson. There could be someone who is more familiar with the topic at hand that the crisis is um, happening around, or there could be multiple spokespeople. Um, it's the person really who is the most comfortable being out in front. And then um, the last tenant was have a crisis communication plan on the shelf. Now, I disagree with that. <laughs> I do think you should have a crisis communication plan on the shelf. The caveat is it needs to be updated. So we do that with our clients. We take a look back at it, a yearly look, because the world's changing, your company's changing, um, the people within your company are changing. So you stay up to date, you reassess um, any potential pitfalls that might be coming up, and that's how you stay on top. That's Thank it. You so much, Kimberly. It's so, so good. And I love that you've been able to kind of get some of those myths that we've all heard and be able to give us the new perspective because stuff has changed recently. I mean, this is a totally different world than it was even two years ago. So yeah, who would have thought we'd still be <laughs> in a pandemic? It's wild. So thoughts or questions for Kimberly? That was some great information. Scott. Kimberly, I did have one question. You mentioned that people talk too much. How do you coach and prepare people to say less is more versus talking too much? Part of uh, the media training that we do is we create statements that help guide communication. Also, we try to think of questions. So we'll do like internal Q&A with the person to show them how you respond, how you pivot. Um, just because someone asks you a question doesn't mean you have to answer it. So you might, your answer might just be, we're gathering more information, you know, and we will have a response when we have all the information. Um, but yeah, rule number one, you don't have to answer <laughs> question that Thank to you. you. Thank you. That's so good. And I would say we all need to have our clients call Kimberly because this is one of those things where it's like flood insurance. When your house floods, you can't get flood insurance. When their crisis happens, you can call Kimberly but it's going to be way better if everybody, and even for your own businesses, if everybody's got it taken care of before, because <laughs> when the flood happens, you can't do much. <laughs> it has much that, it's a little yeah. more in that moment, but you still. Exactly. Yeah. You just get that time and space to think about it. And yeah. we all know we don't have, we don't set that side, that time aside in our own businesses so often. Yeah, absolutely. So call Kimberly. You guys will be happy that you did. Um, Kristen, would you like to share a tip and then Sarah and then Virginia? I would. I actually do have one question for Kimberly too. Sure. So um, how would you gauge if something, if you think it's going to be short-lived versus longer term, like whether you think you actually do need to speak to it or not? Yeah, I guess that's a situation by situation um, issue, but I, I would say you, you assess that one how many people are involved? Is someone hurt? Is it, is it, you know, something that's going to be a, a long-lived? Was a customer involved? Is it a government agency that has, 
you know, is it something that could, is it just um, a verbal disagreement with somebody that happened that, that is, you know, not as in depth as what might occur is, you know, if you had a truck that exploded poison over a neighborhood, obviously that's a big issue that's not going away, but maybe, um, you know, you're a customer yelled at your front person and, and you could put a small statement on your social media and delete the crazy comments and just kind of let it, let it work its way out. You know, I mean, it, it all depends, but I like to say, have a initial short statement, let it simmer, see what's going to happen and then come back to it. But you know, there's lots of, lots of different tentacles to think about, like, how is this going to reach out into the wider community? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's helpful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'll go ahead and share my tip. And I do have some visuals to go with it. Okay. So hi, everyone. I'm Kristen Moody, and today I'm filling in for Kristen Sellier on behalf of IDA Agency, and I'm presenting the tip that she put together about the difference between marketing and branding and then different variations of brand loyalty. Um, so knowing the difference between branding and marketing can really help marketers build their brand awareness and set realistic expectations. So this graphic here serves as a differentiation between these concepts. So if you take a restaurant, for example, you have the customer's perspective and the restaurant's perspective. Marketing entails all the external efforts that the restaurant pushes out to the customers, all of the numbers and analytics that go into selling, advertising, communicating with the customers, that's marketing. However, branding is more essential in nature. It is truth. It is more oriented around the customer's experience, which cannot be manipulated by advertising. It involves a lot of psychology and how the customers perceive the brand name, the experience, the atmosphere, and the way that they compare it in their minds to competitors. So branding efforts are not as common as you may think. In fact, 24 out of 25 businesses ignore branding. But whether businesses choose to build a brand or not, they have one. Perhaps you think of it as your reputation, but a brand comprises everything that your name evokes in the market. So what's the difference between Labrador Retrievers versus customers? Labrador retrievers are those customers that stick with a brand because they just love it. They find it reliable and, su and superior, so they do not switch. Recent articles state that companies have been suffering from a loss in brand loyalty, but by the definition of loyalty, loyalty rarely exists without brands. People need something that stands out and serves as a personality to feel a great connection toward it. So levels of loyalty can vary greatly across different product categories and industries. You most likely don't feel as strongly about your dish soap as you do the type of bar you buy. So if love is too strong of a word for a brand that you buy, perhaps a better one is habit. A brand habit is when you buy the same thing by default because you do not feel like doing the research every time to find the best brand available. Default purchasing like this is common in grocery shopping when you buy the same soap, toothbrush, et cetera, without thinking. Another category of brand loyalty is brand affinity. So Harley Davidson is a good example of this. They have a loyal community of followers that have a profound desire to be thought of as a Harley driver and be associated with the brand. They often take it as far as to associate it with their own personality, which is a very high compliment to a brand and can gather the most engagement from the audience. 
A level lower than infinity is brand preference. This is where you may prefer to go one place, but if it's more convenient or cost-effective, you might go somewhere else. Like if a family drives routinely to McDonald's because they want quick, cheap food, if an alternative pops up that serves them better at the time, they will go there. So the task of small businesses in light of this is two items, brand consistency and brand meaning. The importance of consistency at a high level is that it builds confidence and comfort with your audience. Think of yourself not as a great thing, but as a sure one. Communicate reliability to your audience so they feel like they know you well. And with this is achieved, you can achieve brand habit and brand preference. However, that's not a guarantee that you will build loyalty. Brand meaning can attract people to your brand by increasing linkage between you and your audience. It's key to convey meaning with a focused representation. Do not create an image that is good at everything. People will not trust that. If a brand tries to be all things to all people, it won't have any meaning. So the takeaway is forget brand loyalty, but build a brand regardless. It will help you reach the right people and achieve meaningful connection with your customers. Thank you. Great, thank you, Kristen. Any thoughts or questions for Kristen? There's lots of great content in there. I was reading an interesting article about um, how B2B businesses typically don't spend a lot of money on their creative branding mm -hmm. um, and that they're going to start or they now are starting to do more like typically B2B has been spent more of their budget on the technical part of their industry or their engineers and all those type of things because they felt like um, you know, that they didn't have to go out and it was more like a referral-based business. But mm -hmm. now it, branding has become so important in terms of your identity. So they're starting to spend more on that. Um, anyway, it made me think of that. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, that's an interesting thing too, because we've been trying at ID to um, get involved with more business-to-business -business customers. And um I think some of them can be hesitant to spend a lot of money on marketing because they think, you know, like, I don't really need, I don't care as much about the logo. It's more about the trust and the relationship that I have. But I mean, that logo also kind of serves as a symbol of trust. So over time, people get to recognize it and it indicates trust. So it kind of goes hand in hand. So you have to think long term about it. So that's what we're big proponents of. Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I think it's a challenge too, as as agencies and uh, like us to um, small businesses. When clients come to you and say, "Well, can you do this?" and if it's sort of adjacent to what you do, you're very tempted to say, "Yeah, we can do that," and mm -hmm. exposed to staying in your lane. And there is a lot of value in saying, "Yeah, that, well, that's just off our thing. We don't do that." I have somebody I can recommend to you, but you know, we're really right here. And that's difficult to do, especially if you're looking for business and you've got business showing up at your door. But I think that ultimately you get more respect by saying, this is our thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think that's where Kristen Sellier's massive network comes into play too, because she's like, we may not do this, but we have someone that does it very well. Mm -hmm. So that's helped a lot. <laughs> And that's, again, that's why this group works as well, because we're working with those people that are closely aligned, but maybe don't do exactly what we do, or maybe there's some overlap, but not a ton. So it makes a big difference to be able to refer somebody you trust because you don't want to say, hey, use this person's services, and then they don't work. <laughs> so yeah. it's huge. Wonderful. Well, um, Sarah, would you like to give your tip and then Virginia, and then um, we can, and then I'll, and then we can maybe do a couple introductions and, and then I'll wrap us up at the end. Yep, I would love to. 
All right, so I'm gonna share my screen. Um, all right, so I'm talking about memes today. Um, have fun, post a meme. Social media should be fun. So with all of the analytics and gazillion social media outlets and places that we're going, it's easy to forget that social media and marketing at times should be fun. So you should be having fun. And I've got the article that I pulled a lot of these stats from down here. So I'll post that um, afterwards so you can go back and look up some of these stats if you'd like. Um, memes are the language of millennials and not just millennials, they speak for Gen Z. And really, I mean, memes are like the comic page of newspapers, you know, from before. So it's, it's like a quickly visual, simple way to communicate a message. Um, typically more than even the message, it communicates a feeling. So it's tapping into people's emotions, tapping into, you know, joy, stress, anxiety, um, fun, exhilaration, whatever, you know, and people it attaches to your brand something good. Um, the strength of the meme depends on its relevance. So it's incredibly important when posting memes that you're very aware of your audience. You're very aware of timing. You're very aware of what's going on in the world. Um, you know, and any kind of symbols in your meme that could be misconstrued or anything like that. It's definitely important to be very relevant. Um, and then you're grabbing the attention of the masses. It's very easy, easy to be viral with memes. Um, it can spread quickly. People, you know, share them, send them in chat, you know, share them on social media. It's, it's really easy to do that. They are short-lived, though. Typically, they don't have a long lifespan. Um, an image can speak a thousand words. Um, it's particularly true when it comes to memes. 55% uh, of 13 to 35 year olds send memes every week. 30% send them every day. I know my husband that works in IT probably sends 30 memes a day to his coworkers and they send them back and forth. It's ridiculous. Um, an average millennial looks at 20 to 30 memes a day. It's interesting. There's even college courses now on memes in the language of memes. And it's like, it almost really, I mean, they, they compare it to like hieroglyphics. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but um, you know, it's just that visual, immediately communicatable um, feeling information. So um, traditional marketing on Facebook and Instagram yields about 5% engagement according to studies, whereas memes earn about 60% of attention. Um, click-through rate in average marketing is around 6%, whereas meme marketing is roughly 14%. So if you hit the nail on the head, if it's a good meme, um, if it's good timing, and if it's appropriate and funny, it can lead to great engagement with your post. So back to school is a perfect time to do some great back to school memes with some of our clients. Um, this is a company, um, they're a meat packaging company but you know, wonderful, everybody's feeling the back to school vibes, whatever it is. So this was a great way to just add some fun and connection on our social profiles. Um, but it's also important to keep it professional. I mean, they have the logo, everything was clear. The photos they used are clear. Um, they weren't like, you know, pixelated or anything like that. This one's terrible. I pulled this myself. It's very pixelated, but it still gets that feeling. And, 
This one I thought of the other day, I was um, in a marketing group and someone was talking about getting back into the office after being out of the office for a while. And she was going actually for an interview for a new job. And she was asking about, you know, last time I interviewed, I would do a pantsuit, you know, or something like that. And there was this whole long discussion about, oh, the office is so casual now. You don't need to, you know, dress up that much. Just come as you are. And then people are like, hey, wait a second. You, know, you need to dress for the job and what? Not the, you know, or dress up and, and things like that. So um, anyway. This was another interesting one that we did for that meat packaging company. So funny, everybody loves a good Chuck Norris meme. Um, but what was also interesting about it is the first iteration of this had Chuck Norris holding the gun, pointing it. And it was right after the um, shooting at the school in Texas. So we were like, ooh, okay. Yeah, we don't want any actual guns pointing at people. So it was good that we caught that. You just have to have multiple eyes looking at those memes because it's definitely ripe for missteps if you don't do it carefully. But this was really popular. People liked it. Um, it was fun. It kind of threw, it makes you, it also like has that cool element where people are like, okay, this company is cool enough to make fun and have a little humor in there social media feed. So remember, um, know your audience. This is so important. Memes may not be appropriate for everyone, you know, if you're the CDC or, you know, um, something, you know, with banking, you've got to be really careful. But anyway, know your audience, be really careful about the memes that you post, get multiple opinions. When you create a meme, um, definitely want to send it to a couple different people, get multiple eyeballs on it, because that way you can avoid those missteps and sending something that could be inappropriate and you're gonna to have to feel bad about it. Timing is everything. Don't post funny content during a crisis. That's always important to know what's going on and make sure that you don't put anything out there that's inappropriate and offensive to anyone. Um, and not, uh, not for everyone, like I said, you know, it depends on the type of business that you are and always keep it classy. You know, stick to jokes that are, you know, making fun of yourself or common topics that everyone's going through. And I've got the source for the article. Um, my name is Sarah Stewart. I'm an account manager at Sogar PR, and I'm our social media expert with the Sogar Marketing Council. And that's my tip. Does anyone have any questions? An example of a company I follow on Twitter, U.S. Consumer Products, I had to look it up. Safety Commission. Not somebody you would ever imagine is very funny, but they're very funny on Twitter. They create a lot of their own memes around product safety. Do you want to share it? Uh, I will. I'll, I'll put it through here. Uh, but uh, you have to be very careful, right? You could yeah. do that wrong. And there's lots of brands that are like, man, they missed that one. Uh, mm -hmm. But... Um, yeah, I'm, I'll put it in the chat, but they, uh, they've got somebody funny there. Let's say he also has a very funny Instagram, which is not what you would expect. Who <laughs> does? TSA. TSA. Oh, oh nice. Government awesome. travel. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yes. I can only imagine. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. But and how actually wonderful to put some personality to an industry that's so dry. I mean, but so so dry, but so ripe for, oh my goodness, the stuff they see. They There must be some humor in there. Yeah. 
And for the Product Safety Commission, it's probably one of the reasons they got 160,000 followers because they yeah. probably wouldn't otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Why would, yeah, people wouldn't follow them. They'd have no reason to. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That's awesome. Wonderful. I have a quick question for Sarah. Do I, do I have a second? Yeah. Um, I was just wondering, you know, the meme that has like, I think you have Kim Kardashian and President Obama on it. What are the rules for like, I get a little nervous about stealing photos. <laughs> you know, I don't right. ever take anything that I don't own. Yeah. I mean, if it's something um, really like in the public domain, so if it's shared enough, so, um, you know, that was actually created by ID8. So I, I know that they're really careful about the images that they pick, but you just want it to make sure that it's, you know, in the public domain, pick things like that. You wouldn't pick anything that was a personal image of a person or even something that, you know, could be copyrighted or things like that. But um, yeah, it is something you need to be careful about. Great question. A lot of um, the graphic uh, Canva, PictoChart, things like that too, if you use those, they have mm -hmm. meme creators like um, on there where you can make memes and those, they have images that you can use that are like, have already been cleared. So you can feel comfortable about using them if you're doing it for a brand and you're worried about possible backlash or copyright infringement. Yeah, I love Canva, but I haven't used the meme creator yet. So they have a meme creator. That's yeah. cool. That's awesome. I didn't know that about Canva. That's so great. Um, all right, Virginia, would you like to do a tip today and introduce yourself? And then we'll do introductions for anybody who um, doesn't want to share a tip but wants to do an introduction. And then um, that'll that'll take us about to our time. So Virginia. Yes, uh, thank you so much, Stephanie and everyone. Uh, my name is Virginia Navajiger. I'm the CEO of Transformative Power. And I approach marketing and strategic communications differently. I believe that everything has to be from the inside out. And that's where really true value and transformation comes from. And today I want to share a tip uh, that I believe is really important. I believe that marketing really um, succeeds because you have both buy-in and engagement. And one of the most common forgotten parts of marketing and a strategy, especially as you're building a strategy uh, with a founder, with a visionary leader or, or organization, is to really understand what is it that is going to get the buy-in internally so that your message actually performs. Because message is not just about the campaign you do or the design you do, it's about actually the company delivering on the message or the founder delivering on the message. So I'm about to share a screenshot of a model that I created um, so you can see it here. So this is the, um, this is the um, strategic model I created. So the strategic model is called marketing style. And these are like five different types of personalities that I created, which is the orchid personality, the daylily personality, the sunflower, the rose, and the wildflower. And I'll give you an example. Say you're launching a marketing strategy and then you're going to have a CEO be the spokesperson for your marketing. And this person is an orchid. He's really introverted, really observant. And then now you're going to have this guy in front of a PR uh, meeting, like in front of all this like employees and all of these people. And the guy is like, I don't think your marketing strategy is great. Right, And it's not because your marketing strategy is great. It's just because that method is not the right one for him. So one of the things that is really important is that we need to make sure 
that the marketing that we create aligns with the core spokespeople within um, the environment we're working on and also provides um, resources for them. So whether it's a training that they need, whether it's uh, you know the type of marketing that is the, the best vehicle for them. Because our marketing, whether we're an entrepreneur or a founder or an organization, is actually fueled by all the people within the organization that eventually become the spokesperson or representatives of the brand. So this uh, purpose of the styles really help you see, okay, is somebody extroverted? Is somebody a structure and organized? Is somebody more creative? Is more is somebody both? And then you need to create marketing tools that are available for this types of personality, and also marketing campaigns that are available to this types of personality. And when we don't do this, then we don't have buy-in. So we may have the perfect messaging, we might have the perfect campaign, we might have the thing, and then we talk to the sales guy and it's like, hey, do you use the marketing? It's like, oh, no, no, it's in the closet. So, so really, you know, have a conversation with, uh, when you're doing a strategic processing, whether you're a founder, whether you're a leader or an organization, really understand what type of personalities those your team has, who are the spokesperson, for your organization. And if you're a founder and you're a spokesperson for your organization, like really understand what is your personality like, and then really select a marketing tool that it is in alignment with who you are. And then obviously I think, you know, a lot of people already do a lot of this with the audience and they do a personality analysis and all that. So you're theoretically, you're considering already your audience and what they need but more likely you're missing out completely on your internal resources and capabilities. So that is the, uh, the tip for today. And, and I think it's really important um, how you use this tip is if your marketing is not engaging, if people are not buying into the marketing that you created, if you're not doing it consistently, and if it's not building results, you may have a buying problem. Thank you. That is great, Virginia. That is so helpful. And it's one of those foundational pieces. If that piece is not correct, you could have the best marketing strategy in the world and it's not going to take off. So this is really, really insightful. So thoughts or questions for Virginia? Um, I just want to say I really like the marketing style. <laughs> thank um, you. Thank you. Visual you have here. I love it. Is Thank that you. your art? Is that your artwork, Virginia? Did you draw that as well? No, somebody draw it for me. Uh, it's my model, so I created yeah. this model. Yes, it's great. Yes, thank you. From a social media perspective, this would make a great quiz. Yes, I thought the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! What's your marketing style? And you fill out everything, and then you're a sunflower. <laughs> yes. I love that. Thank you for the idea. Yeah, <laughs> great idea. Awesome. Thank so, you for having me. Yay. Thank you for sharing. Wonderful. Um, and Bella Howard, do you guys want to do an introduction today? Just say your name and company. Yeah, yeah. Howard Flint, Ghost Partner. We create content uh, for clients. We also work white label with other agencies uh, creating content. We have some specialty tracks in uh, wealth management, accounting, and some legal. Great, thank you. Bella? 
Hi, I'm Bella. I'm an account executive for um, Response Mind Interactive. We are a digital marketing agency based in Atlanta that focuses on uh, direct response marketing and lead generation. And we are a full services agency. Great, thank you. So glad to have you guys here today. Um, I'm gonna wrap us up with one quick tip. And my name is Stephanie Richards. My company is SoGro Public Relations, and we do business to business public relations for companies. And our main thing is we help people get media exposure. So today I want to talk about on-camera appearances, especially if you're being interviewed, because a lot of people show up to an interview and they're nervous. And most of the reason is because they're not prepared. So I have a post in the forum that's 10 questions to ask to prepare for an on-camera appearance. So I'm not going to be able to go as in-depth as the forum post, but I'm going to give you guys some highlights. And one of the biggest things in prepping for an on-camera interview is to just know what topics are going to be covered and what questions are going to be covered and being able to really think through your messaging for that. I find a lot of people want to have a full script and have all their answers written out, but you really want to think more in terms of sound bites and what is your key message and have basically three key points that you want to get across and then be able to think through a little bit outside of that. So if we go in a direction over here, how does that tie back to the key message? And just really think in terms of keeping things pretty close to a similar topic and not getting so far off, but being able to really come back to those three key points and really hit those home. Another thing to ask is how long will the recording or the segment be? People tend to have more content than what's actually going to end up on the final interview, but you want to be prepared. So let's say you show up and you think you're going to do an eight minute interview and it ends up being an hour long interview. <laughs> you may not be prepared for that mentally. You may not be prepared for that with your content and your key messages and that sort of thing. So being able to just ask, hey, you know, is your podcast 20 minutes? Is it an hour? Whatever it might be. Um, and also beware that a lot of podcasts are also filmed. So people show up thinking, oh, I'm going on a podcast and then they're totally unprepared for it to also be video. So, um, you know, keep that in mind as well. And then also ask, Will this interview be live or pre-recorded? So this could be a situation where let's say you're at a conference and maybe the MC of the conference pulls you aside and, and they say, hey, we want to do a quick interview. Just be aware that a lot of those are actually live. And if somebody shows up and they put a microphone in your face and they say, okay, this is live and you didn't know that going into it, your mind might go blank <laughs> and it might just make everything shut down because you just weren't prepared so if somebody pulls you aside at a conference or if they want to interview on something, just ask, great, is this pre-recorded? Is this live? And I've also seen people interviewed and they say, oh, can we cut that out? And it's so awkward because the person's like, this is live and you can't cut it out. And so I've seen that where people just don't even really know it's live. And then that's in the live interview and it's just not, not ideal. Um, another quick thing that you want to make sure you ask is, is there going to be a microphone? Am I going to have a lavalier or a lapel mic? And this is particularly important in terms of what you wear, because there are a lot of outfits that are not going to work with that. And I'm not going to go into details, but there may be tape involved and, and things that are uncomfortable if you don't have, let's say, like a jacket with a pocket to put the um, transmitter in, or if you don't have a way to kind of get the mic attached to you. And I'm sure Kimberly can probably <laughs> speak to this as well, but you don't want to show up to an interview in a shift dress that's, you know, fairly form-fitting um, and, and not have a place to, to be able to put the, the cables and things like that. So just, you know, the more you know about that, the better. 
Um, and then also, you know, ask if you're going to be filmed in front of a green screen, but also be aware that the screens are not always green. Sometimes they're blue. So if you show up in a Superman blue shirt, then they impose the background digitally, then your shirt is going to fade into the background. So, you know, keep in mind greens and blues. So just ask, is this going to be filmed in front of a green screen? Sometimes um, I had somebody that I was working with and trying to prepare her for an interview and she didn't know and couldn't find out. And so we tried to find something that would work. We looked at the branding colors and, and just tried to kind of guess like, okay, their colors are red and black. So, you know, let's think of something that would coordinate with that, but not be super matchy matchy, but not clash. So that's kind of the idea. You just want to get a sense of, you know, what is the environment going to be? And think about this too, a lot of backgrounds, especially if you're doing something like speaking, um, I just, I put a picture on the forum post and it's a black background. So if you show up in a black jacket, <laughs> guess who disappears into the background? So those are just a few questions to think about. I've got all 10 of them in the forum post. So you guys can check that out and get a little bit more in-depth coverage. But this is great, especially if you have clients and you guys are trying to do marketing videos and things like that, just to get prepared so people feel confident on video. So thank you guys so much for coming today. I always learn so much from you guys, so many gems and everybody's tips. So please be sure to sign up for the next one. Um, it's September, I think it's September 20th. Sarah, is that right? I always write it down and then I forget to look, but it's the third Tuesday of the month. So September 20th at 10 a.m. Eastern. And if you would like to present at the next meeting, then go to SoGrow Marketing Council or SoGrowPR.com. And we have a marketing council tab up in the right-hand corner. You can submit a tip there. You can check out the forum. You can sign up to be a member. You can submit um, an application to be a featured um, expert. So everything you guys need is right there. And then also invite your marketing colleagues, invite your friends. The more marketing experts we have, the more brain power we have. And so it just benefits everybody. So thank you guys so much for coming. And y'all have coffee and, and meet outside of this too, because it's a great group of people. So appreciate you guys. You guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks for coming. Thank you. you guys have a good one. Thank you for listening to the SoGrow Marketing Council podcast. Want to be part of our next meeting? Visit SoGrowPR.com. That's S-O-W-G-R-O-W-P-R.com and click on the Marketing Council tab to sign up for our next event. Until next time, keep growing.